So I'm, uh, I'm going to talk today, um, teach today, and this, the um, title is, Is There Not a Cause? Now that word cause means reason. Isn't there a reason? But uh, is there not a cause? And this is a biblical phrase, which I'm going to get to in a little bit. Uh, the uh, topic itself is really about aggressive action to break down strongholds. We're talking about deliverance in a lot of ways. And I believe the body of Christ, the body of Christ, needs deliverance as well. Individuals, not only the world out there, they definitely have bondages, strongholds, uh, uh, types of things that are holding people bound. But today I want to talk about that. And I recognize these reoccurring patterns, these strongholds, that emerge uh, in myself and in others, and we hate them. And we want to get rid of them, but they, they're a pattern that keep coming up. And we're going to talk about that today. And hopefully, hopefully you'll see that there is demon influence. And God wants to remove demons from uh, the church as well as the, as the world. So... I gave this message about six weeks ago, two months ago, at Petersburg, and here's a statement that I had here. My youngest son is facing and yielding to, to those demons or, and strongholds. I've got good news. Really good news, because sometimes we pray, we bind, we break, and we wonder, is there ever going to be a change? But our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. One of the things I prayed for my youngest son was that you would put workers of righteousness in his path. Because what can I do? I'm, he's down in Arizona. I'm here. I can only do the prayer and ask God to bring somebody into their path that will speak the truth to them in a, in a way that they can receive it. It's important, isn't it? Otherwise, it's just dad preaching again, you know. <laughs> You've been doing that for 38 years. <laughs> so so um, one of the cool things, Jordan, I mean, my youngest son went on, went on a trip to, um, to Argentina for three weeks. Now, if you look on the map back there, Arizona to Argentina, where he was, is a thousand-mile, three-week trip for business and for friendship that he had with a person down there. Well, one of the things they did, realized that I put workers, asked the Lord to put workers of righteousness in his path, is that the two of them went on a, a hike, a three-day hike, camp out hike in a remote wilderness forest type of uh, place. And uh, the second day into that, some guy comes walking up to their, their campsite, and they hadn't seen anybody in days, in, in two days. It was remote. Some guy comes up, and he looks kind of like Jesus. He had a beard and whatnot. And he gave Jordan and Augustine the gospel message and said, I have been sent to this area to wander around in the wilderness and anybody I come to, I tell them about Christ. So I'm thinking, 
that is what God is doing for our children, for our grandchildren, for any of those that we are praying to, is that he will put a worker of righteousness in their path. They may, may never tell us about that. Well, we just spent three weeks or two weeks, sorry about that, eight days with uh, him in uh, Prescott, Arizona. And uh, we have a tremendous report uh, that he is now seeing the name of Jesus in a, in a real way. And he is uh, asking for prayer, but he says, I know that I need connectivity with Jesus. And that's what he's pursuing is prayer, reading the word, connectivity. He said, I may never go to church again. You know, some people have bad experiences with church. But if he gets connectivity with Jesus, isn't that all that matters in a way? You know, someday God will talk to him about taking his family to the to church. Actually, uh, the kids started going to church again. Uh, just recently. So, I mean, there is one thing after another that we see where the demons and strongholds that were in him, I'm not going to go into detail about that, but my gosh, he was deep into stuff. And uh, maybe your kids are that way too, you know, just deep into the world. And uh, God uh, brought him out. So I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here on stories, but I love the Revolutionary War. And um, as a spiritual person now, I see the Revolutionary War as um, a body of people wanting to be set free from captivity of England. So it's like the demon power or devil of England, they wanted to be set free from that. And um, so they, they took up the cause of rebelling against a country that was oppressing them. And I believe we need to do that in America, quite frankly. I believe we need to take up the cause. But wherever it is, we need to take up a cause against every demonic stronghold that is captivating anyone, including yourself. Wow. I like the Revolutionary War because mainly we had a bunch of farmers. I'm a farmer. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and uh, they were kind of uneducated, but yet they rallied to the cause. They had grit. I've been watching Band of Brothers lately. My gosh, in World War II, talking about people that persevered in the midst of difficult situations, really demonic situations that were taking place. And I believe that the church needs to be one of these that rises up now and takes dominion over every demonic force within ourselves, but also in this country as well. And uh, I was looking at some of these quotes. So George Washington had a quote, and this is, I really like this because it reinforces the sermon. Let, let us rely on the goodness of the cause and the aid of the supreme being in whose hands victory is to animate and encourage us to great and noble actions. Look at that. We all have a goodness of the cause. They were going to fight a huge army regimented 
army that knew how to war. These farmers didn't know how to war at all, except they knew how to get behind a tree and shoot them, you know. So they learned how to do guerrilla warfare, basically. And so he, uh, George Washington, gave uh, uh, credit to God. And we need to give credit to God as well and believe that he's going to encourage us to great and noble actions. Well, he had a general named Nathaniel Green, whose father was a farmer, and his father really wanted him to be a farmer as well. But Nathaniel Green, he, uh, he didn't want to be a farmer. He said, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get educated. Uh, but he did it in, in like, business. Uh, but he, he always had a, a real um, um, desire to learn military strategies. So he would read everything possible about military things, and that is what caused him to go up the ranks and become a general. And this is one of the things he quoted. I am determined to defend my rights and maintain my freedom or sell my life in the attempt. We fight, get beat, rise, and fight again. Now that last part, I like that because there are so many times in my son's life, it was defeat. It was, uh, but we cannot give up. We have to be ones that rise up. What's it say? We fight, get beat, rise, and fight again. Never, never, never give up, as Winston Churchill says. We will never, never, ever give up. And that's the way you have to take it in the body of Christ. Take it to the enemy time after time after time. Declare over your children that God is victorious and the devil will not have them. Stand and stand and stand. And the grandkids, there is a generation of young people that need somebody to take the part of them, to stand for them, to break the powers of demonic strongholds over their their minds, things they've learned from education systems and from political systems. Well, I'm going to get one more quote, Ronald Reagan. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. That's our job with our children and our grandchildren. It must be fought for, passed on to the next generation. All right, we're going to look at a few scriptures now, of course. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, the story I'm going to talk about is David and Goliath. And we all know that story, and you can say this, but I'm going to look at it from a different uh, perspective as a spiritual warfare blueprint for you and I to learn spiritual warfare and how to tear down giants in our life. So I don't know if we can get this up, but it's um, 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start in verse 26. So um, a little bit before this, David had been out in the sheepfold, he'd taken care of the sheep, and his dad wanted him to take some food to his brothers who were on the front line fighting. And uh, David in verse 26, um, right before that, he, uh, he saw this giant out there just coming out and lambasting them, 
stating these words that you will never defeat us. Someone come and defeat me. I dare you. You will be defeated. And that's kind of what the devil does to you and I. He tries to keep us under. He tries to keep us down. He wants us to fail. And so he's out there just shouting in our brains all the time, you're a failure and you can never win. But David comes to the front there and he's with his brother and he hears Goliath say this, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's a verse we all love, isn't it? I love that verse. Who is this uncircumcised devil that's attacking my children that it should defy my living God? And we are part of the army of the living God. And we have to take that upon us. This is our spiritual authority. It should be a ready answer of the spirit. When the devil comes, there should be a ready answer of the spirit. And he says, who shall defy the armies of the living God? And I believe that should be our decree as well. Verse 28, there's some uh, intimidation and fear that comes along. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's uh, anger was aroused against David, my little brother. What's he think he's doing? And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you shown those, uh, have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. David could have just really took that in, couldn't he? You're right. You're right. I'm going to just run away right now. But David, uh, he did not do that, did he? And verse 29, and David said, what, and this is where I get this, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? I think you ought to say that to yourself right now out loud. Is there not a cause? There is a cause in your life, a reason to fight the giants. Those are the words of faith in verse 32 and 33. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistines. This little 17-year-old boy, scrawny, uh, ruddy-looking boy, and this guy, giant's nine feet. And that's how the giants look to us lots of times. Like, how can I ever overcome a giant in my life? And he says, I will go, Saul. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. So there are voices that we hear in the midst of the battle. First voice we hear is the giants are too big. The opposite of that, which we need to take, no demon in hell is too big for God. That should be our battle cry when that voice comes. The giant's too big. Number two, you're too small, David. Yes, but my God is big. That's the opposite, that we take that approach. And number three, which applies to most everybody, you're just too bad. How many of us feel like a failure most of the time? And we feel like, man, I'm just too bad to fight against the enemy. 
to win a battle to, for God. But God says, God has made me righteous and equipped me. And he has given me, he has given me past victories. I like my past victories. I add them up. Keep track of them. Because God does come through time and time again. There are victories that we need to rehearse. They are what the Bible calls landmarks. Landmarks of victory. And those are the ones we need to mark. Not the failures. Not the time when you gave in to a temptation. Just get rid of those thoughts. Amen? We are not too bad. Thy servant, in the verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord has delivered me, delivered, past tense, out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. His confidence was not in his ability necessarily. His confidence was in God. God delivered him from those uh, hard things, lion and the bear, and he will do it again. And that should be our battle cry. My God will do it again. My God will supply. My God will heal. My God, <laughs> whatever it would be, my God. And then uh, said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. The name of Jesus is so powerful. When I was with my grandchildren and my, children and my son in Florida, I would pray over every meal. I would gather them together in hands, and I'd always start it this way. Jesus you said, or Jesus, and something about that name of Jesus went into Jordan, and the name of Jesus alone got him back into connectivity. It reinforced um, all the different things that had happened back there. So don't be afraid to speak the name of Jesus to the co-workers, to whoever it would be, because Jesus He's the only answer nowadays. He's the only one that can bring forth victory in your life. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. Why do I give my testimony? Because I have had years of fighting for this son of mine. Years of prayer. Years of speaking. Years and years. But you cannot give up. you got to have grit like the Revolutionary War people. you got to have grit to fight. The good fight, and then suddenly the victory comes. It's like, hold on, hold on. Keep believing, keep praying, keep binding, keep loosening. Bind the spirits you see. Bind the spirit of rebellion in them. And loosen the spirit of submission to God in them. You just keep 
binding and loosening like the Bible tells us to do. And then suddenly things can change. And we've been in, we don't consider this complete gain yet. Not until we see the fullness of it all the way through living a life unto the Lord. <laughs> so we, we continue to pray, continue to fight. And part of it, I like this, and all the assembly shall know. That's one of the reasons that we give our testimony. And we need to give our testimony that all the assembly may know that our God is alive and he's real. And he works for one, he'll work for another. Never give up, never give up. So David uh, prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, smote this Philistine and slew him. And there was no sword in the hand of David, so he just simply went up to Goliath, grabbed his big sword, chopped his head off. Now you might think that's gross, but I believe we need to chop the head off of Satan's plans for your life. Go for the head. Go for the, for the very um, lifeblood. If you cut the head off, the lifeblood, the lifeline is, is, is cut off. Jesus himself in John 18, 37, I'm done with, with um, David now. Uh, Jesus himself in John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus alone, he considered that he had a cause, a purpose that the Father God sent. Now, I'm telling you right now, each and every one of you have a purpose and a cause in this life, a, a believer's cause of truth, to speak the truth. You need to speak it to the grandchildren, all of our great-grandchildren, right, John? We got greats. We have to speak the truth of who Jesus is. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He dwells in us. As long as you're born again, that's the starting point. You must uh, be born again, John 3, uh, uh, John 3 with Nicodemus. You must be born again. That is the starting point. Of all spiritual warfare, most everybody in here is born again. But if you're not born again, you need to see someone right away. And that simply means that you haven't really yielded your whole life to Jesus Christ and him alone. When you yield to Christ, he can fight the battle with you and you will come out a winner. I have a few things I want to say about the authority of the believer to fight for the cause. Number one. You must recognize that we have an enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8. Our enemy, what is it, depression? Maybe you, you're tied up in sexual addiction. That's all we see. Our eye gates and our ear gates are flooded with sexuality nowadays continually. Maybe you're tied up with uh, that and you feel so guilty about it. Or chronic sickness that comes and goes. Oh, those are we have to recognize that is of the enemy. It's not just something we need to put up with. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, 
as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom you resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe that we, there are so many generational curses that are passed on from generation to generation. And um, I want us all to be free of those. My daddy was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. Therefore, I am prone to want to drink. I'm not saying that about me, but I'm just saying that that is something that would be a generational iniquity that is passed down. And I, I believe everyone has generational iniquities, curses that need to be cut off of them. And we, we may do a group prayer here after a while just to make sure that we're free of those generations. Have you ever thought about that? It's things that are passed down. Even anger and temper. My dad was temperamental. Uh, therefore, I am with a temper as well. That kind of thing. Number two, we uh, must recognize we have the conqueror in Jesus' name. John 14, 13 through 14. Realize that the battle has been won at the cross. If it's done, it is done. It is finished, he said. Oh, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whosoever ye shall, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we recognize we got the enemy, but we also recognize we have the victory in Jesus Christ. We must recognize we have within us the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus left, and he said, it's better that I go because I'm going to leave you the comforter who will be with you continually. And this comforter is filled with power. We need to grab a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe after you are born again, you, everyone needs to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why not? It's in the Bible. So let's, let's look at that. And uh, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is exousia. It's authority. God gives us the authority to tread upon serpents, to tread upon demons. It's the authority God gave you. Me, yes, you. He gave you that authority. It's what is ours. The fourth thing, recognize that God has selected imperfect vessels to use for his kingdom. Moses, Gideon, David, Elijah, Paul, Peter, all the disciples, and you and I, we are definitely imperfect. But he uses imperfect vessels. So why am I saying that? Because I believe we need to be laying hands on the sick. We need to take upon ourselves 
the cross and let Jesus minister not only words but laying on of hands and deliverance and if you need deliverance men get deliverance why why not and lastly recognize the holy ghost boldness within us he makes you bold and uh, we see that in acts 4 now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And there's more. Um, all, now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servant that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's our portion. You can be bold in God and watch him do the work. I don't know if you know this, but if you've studied much in uh, the Gospels, at least, if not more, one-third of Jesus' ministry was demonic deliverance. And we don't think about that. We just think, well... He's love and he's whatnot. But Jesus wants us to be the vessels, imperfect as we are, but filled with Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, vessels that minister deliverance to people. Now, you might think, well, I don't want to hear shouting and screaming and all that. Deliverance comes in all kinds of ways. There may be some of that, but there may just be a breathing out, and it's quiet. And I believe that you and I need deliverance. I believe in self-deliverance, and I do this often because the world we walk in is ugly. It's dirty. It's bad. And our eye gate and our ear gate pick up so much. So all I do is lay my hand on my forehead and I say, in the name of Jesus, I command every spirit of lust to leave me in Jesus' name. I command every demonic influence to leave me in Jesus' name. I'd like you to do that right now. Just right where you are, close your eyes. Nobody's looking at you. And just lay your hands on you. You know what your weaknesses are. If it's temper, let the Lord. Maybe you should when you get through. Be on there. Um, in Jesus' name, this say with say with me. In Jesus' name, I command every demonic influence to leave my thought life, and my heart, and my body. In Jesus' name, I command that. And then you can name it silently. I don't want to hear what your problems are. <laughs> silently, and I command that to leave me in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord thy God is with you. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. This is a little deep word for you, but it's going to bring great results in your life.
leave you me. And if any, um, why don't we stand and uh, sing something lightly? If there's anyone here that doesn't know about this kind of Jesus or Jesus, maybe you've been in church. We were in Lutheran church forever, but I didn't know that I needed to change. If that's something you desire and all should desire to know Christ, because it means heaven and earth. It's very simple. Do I want to go to heaven? Yes. We just now ask you to be bold and confident. Stick your hand up in the air if you would like prayer to know Jesus Christ. And first time in your life to be